Welcome to the Addy Hour, where we talk brain science, mental health, faith, culture, and social justice. Having attended one of Dr. Addy's town halls, I can tell you that it's vital information for anyone living in America right now. It was the first time in a very, very long time where I felt like all of me could show up, each parts of my identity. I'm your host, Dr. Nee Addy. My friend, Dr. Nee Addy, is such a unique person who is both scientifically astute, understands the human soul and the mind. At the same time, he has compassion and empathy for the masses. He's been nothing but a blessing to my congregations and my friends. It was the first time I felt like it was safe to talk about issues that are usually not talked about, like mental health and faith and wrestling with your identity. By the end, I walked out feeling so much more validated and hopeful. Welcome back to another Addy Hour episode. As always, it's just my honor and pleasure to continue to host these conversations. And we do like to change things up a little bit in terms of the topics that we talk about. So today we want to bring in a conversation about immigration, culture, faith, and mental health. And so today I'm honored to be able to welcome UJ Harris to the Addy Hour podcast. I'm going to give him a little bit of an introduction so you all know a little bit about him. Some of you may be familiar with him from his book, which would be outstanding for those who aren't. UJ Harris is a passionate fan of mental and emotional health and how it intersects with faith. He is the president of Psychology for All, which is a Charlotte, North Carolina-based nonprofit that works to drive mental health care equity and access for under-resourced people. He's a father, an encourager, and a contributing author to the book Liberia's Son, which captures the story of his family's resilient journey from a civil war in Liberia to navigating opportunities and challenges and life in the U.S. So I know that's something that we'll unpack as we go through the conversation today. But again, just want to welcome UJ to the program here today. Thanks for being here, UJ. Thank you so much for having me, Nia. Super proud to, to be part of this opportunity. Thanks so much. And this has been this has been a long time coming in a lot of different ways. So yeah. good to yeah. see it come to fruition. Um, I should mention, even though it, it pains me as, as a Duke graduate to mention that you got an MBA from UNC Chapel Hill. <laughs> that is part of your path. And I know you have a BA in psychology. We'll see y'all Saturday, man. We'll see y'all Saturday. We'll just leave it at that. Oh, my and, goodness. Uh, and I also got to uh, give a shout out to, to my two Davidson Wildcats. I'm a Davidson yep. grad as well. Yep. Had some love for those people. Yeah, excellent, uh, excellent. Thank you for allowing me to, to hang out at Davidson to the folks who ever let me in there. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a that was a good call on their part. Um, so obviously, you know, people have heard a little bit about you in that introduction, and we'll definitely jump into that as the conversation unfolds. But as you know, as my listeners know, I do always like to check in and just see how how our guests are doing at this point in time. So you know, we're finishing up February, entering March of 2023, and just wanted to ask how you're doing at this point in time, uh, life-wise, and just with everything we're navigating as a society. Yeah, that's a great question, you know, and, and it's sort of like, how are you really doing, right? This is not the, uh, just give you the friendly answer. And things mm -hmm. are actually going pretty well. The last couple of years, as you can imagine, we're pretty interested a lot of adjustments, you know, with, uh, with, with the pandemic, but things are settling well and uh, I'm doing well. I feel, I feel like our life is pretty stable. Uh, I'm going to say drama free. So, you know, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, I jokingly say it's, it's good to be UJ right now. And I'm mm. thankful for that. So mm. for asking brother. 
That's good to hear. Yeah, especially as you know, you've mentioned just the, the honesty of you know having to navigate through different things. Um, one thing I didn't mention for our listeners too, I mean, you have the psychology for all organization, but then you're also the vice president of a um, customer and market research consultancy. So how how is that journey in terms of navigating and I don't know if balancing is the right word. I usually use the word juggling, but how is that aspect um, of your life at this point in time? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. People think, because uh, I talk about my nonprofit so much, I, I think mm -hmm. there are people who know me and think that I actually, that's my full-time job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, because it is a passion of mine, um, mm -hmm. it went from something that I was doing as a volunteer to now something that I see more as a as a, as a, as a real necessity in some way, almost as a, as a ministry, you know, to use mm -hmm. a term. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it's great. I, 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 in my corporate job sort of gives me, you know, allows me to sort of plow my skills as a marketer and, and, and someone who likes to solve business problems and, and, and then sort of manage relationships, you know, in terms of clients. And then the nonprofit really allows me to do something that is more of a passion that, that I think truly makes real in, you know, a real difference in people's lives. And so, so it's a good balance, you know, mm. some people will say, Hey, you know, why can't you just find something that allows you to do both? Well, if you can, great, but, uh, it's working out pretty well for me where I can sort of have both corporate and, and nonprofit passion work and, uh, and, and I feel pretty balanced. Yeah. And that's um, refreshing to hear the reality too, even though it sounds like, you know, some people question or give some pushback, but just to know, you know, there's different ways to kind of bring those passions and vocations together. So that's encouraging to hear how you've done that in your own life as well. Yeah, that's been great. I mean, you know, you don't have to, I think, you know, you don't have to necessarily try to make your nonprofit or this passion thing a full-time job. If you can, you should, but, but quite often it's a little bit challenging in terms of the economics, the income, the compensation and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, you can still do it and you can still do it and do it and do it well um, and, and maintain. At least that's what I've shown. I've, I've been able to sort of do in my life and I, and I really yeah. like that balance. Although I've talked to people who, you know, who kind of feel like, well, hey, you know, if I could, I would do this full-time, um, but it doesn't quite work out in terms of, you know, being able to pay the bills. And I'm like, yeah. well, just why don't you just kind of have two? Yeah. You got two hands, right? <laughs> You're balancing a lot yourself, right? Nick? I'm, I'm juggling a lot. <laughs> I don't know if I've gotten balanced yet. I mean, it kind of, I would say it ebbs and flows and people yeah. often ask me that. So it kind of just depends on like even certain time periods of the year, like whether, you know, the research is really the heavy emphasis, whether, you know, some of the diversity, equity, inclusion works, heavy emphasis, whether the podcast, yeah. public facing. Right. Right. And so that there's some flexibility that comes there too. But like you, it just is, like at this point in time, it seems like it's the most effective way to do things with so many different teams working in different entities. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's definitely a learning process. I'll say yeah, I haven't, no, I haven't I like mastered the way you it. it. Not, <laughs> it's not balanced and it's juggling. I think you're right. Yeah. Balancing. Yeah. I love that. Good call. One question that I anticipate, or I would imagine some people might be thinking, you know, people who are maybe trying to think about nonprofit versus something in the private sector and academic sectors. And listening to you talk about how you're doing both, do you ever feel like you have to sacrifice one or the other? Yeah, well, that's a that's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, you, 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 at times, you know, the, the demands are, 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 are they're not always the same. So there are times I think where I'm I, I have to work a little bit more, um, especially with a nonprofit because it's a volunteer thing. I don't get paid for that, so mm -hmm. it's all just driven in this belief in that uh, the belief that I have in this cause that that mental health should be accessible to everyone. Mm -hmm. so, uh, what you did to despite your race, your ability to pay, income, you know, whatever identifiers you have. Um, uh, but so there are times I think I have to sort of work a little harder to kind of stay energized and, and keep keep things moving um, with our organization. The work is the work, you know. You got you got to pay the yeah. bills, so you, you can't switch off on that as much at all. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but, uh, 
I think I think there are certainly times where it seems like you have to put a little bit more than mm. I would want to um, to to keep our the, the work going with the nonprofit. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean I think that's a health, healthy and helpful perspective too. You know, for those who may also be trying to think about that, or people who might be just finishing up with school and trying to think about those next steps. So definitely yeah. appreciate you sharing that too. Yeah. And like I mentioned, we'll definitely lean into your life story as that's, you know, a, a piece of your journey as well. But before we get there, I did want to ask a little bit about just your the nonprofit and how that came about, how that passion, you know, in a sense developed. Yeah, you know, it's actually tired with my story. So I, I lived through mm -hmm. a war in Liberia. So, I, you know, I think I, I mentioned you mentioned my sort of the book, Liberia Son, um, which was a collaboration collaboration with a dear friend of mine, David Verhagen, uh, or Dave Verhagen, um, sort of telling that story. Mm -hmm. uh, but but living through the Civil War, when I came to the U.S. Um, in 1991, I don't know, as, as I started sort of going to school, I found myself really fascinated by behavior. And sort of why we why why I, why I did the things I did, and I'm not sure like how many 15, 16 year old walking around sort of asking this question like why am I the way I am? You know what I mean? And why mm. are people the way they are? Um, but I I had that interest, that sort of that fascination, um, and I and and that led me to studying psychology in college, and and then as I sort of started to learn more about this idea of, of trauma and resilience and and all of those things that come with. Uh, we just sort of growing up and maturing through through difficult circumstances. I I, I saw a lot of value in in in, in mental health and, and in mental and emotional wellness. So I, um, I I I kind of connected with some folks who were who were counselors and therapists in the area, and um, a group of folks saw the gap in access uh, for 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 mental health care, and they decided to to start this organization. And, uh, and and I knew some of those folks and got involved through 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 sort of the relationships we had, and I've been involved since 2015. Um, and I think it started; it was launched officially, uh, and then a probably a few months later, I got involved, and I've been involved since. And it's just become something that I truly value. Um, mental health is one of those things. I think you know this better than me, than I do. It's super important, and but yet there's either low awareness or there are just some hurdles to people really engaging it and seeing that as a critical part of what uh, I think Dr. Daniel Amen calls whole body health, right? Mm -hmm. Emotional, mental, and physical. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's beautiful to hear. Just, I mean, the passion and the drive there. I mean, obviously that definitely resonates with me. And I am impressed that you were thinking about that as a 15-year-old. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I must have got hit on the head. <laughs> you know, <or> something. <laughs> uh, but it was just one of those things that, that's always been fascinating. I still see the world interesting enough through um, sort of that mental and emotional uh, kind of health lens, you know, in mm -hmm. terms of behaviors and, 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 and understanding sort of root causes going below the waterline to see sort of what's at the base of the, of the iceberg, as I like to say. Mm -hmm. I think I find that really interesting. Yeah, and that's so important. And it seems like you had, I mean, you're just tying together things you were seeing in other people's lives as you were here in the U.S., but then also perhaps even reflecting black, reflecting back on your own experience Absolutely. as well. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if you could just share with our listeners as much as you want to just your experience, uh, childhood experience, you know, both before the Civil War um, and after. And even yeah. before we go there, I'll, I'll put in a little caveat, um, okay. you know, as a son of immigrants as well, but as someone who grew up in the U.S., knowing that these aren't the things that are taught in U.S. history. So actually, if you can also give our listeners just a little bit of context about the history of Liberia and how. Oh yeah. Oh man. Out. Okay. I know um, I'm throwing a lot out. <laughs> a yeah, lot you're out there. a lot. Of, you know, I've been in the U.S. You know, a, a lot longer than I than I was in right two times as but as long mm -hmm. 
as I've been as I was in Liberia, but you know, I, I still I still keep my Liberian card. Um, mm. Anybody <laughs> wants to question that? But uh, the Liberian was founded by by basically freed American freed, freed slaves, so freed American slaves. Mm. So at some point um, after the Emancipation Proclamation, and uh, you know, there were people there. There were a bunch of folks who, who who made the choice to go back to resettle in Africa, and they re and and, and they, they resettled. In, in, in West Africa and, and created this country we know as Liberia, the capital city is Monrovia. Never was an American official sort of colony, but very strong ties with uh, with uh, with uh, with the U.S. We speak English there, and uh, it's not going to sound like English if you know if you if you pull up a, if you talk if I started talking my real Liberian accent or mm -hmm. talk, if you're talking to a true Liberian. But we definitely speak English. We 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 um. Some of, the, some of the values I think uh, of, of our countries is American, as you can imagine, because the the, the former slaves brought those things there. Some of the food, some of the some of the the, the dress and the, the the style and all those things. So strong ties at, with with the, with the U.S. So um, outside of Liberia, I think the most Liberians I would say are in <laughs> in America, mm. in the U.S. Uh, childhood was was pretty fun, you know. I, I had a I grew up with my mom, my brother, and then we had a lot of sort of family around. So kind of a, a true village mentality. Mm -hmm. Every weekend seemed like it was a, it was a family reunion. You know, it's one of the things that and in the in here you have these family reunions that are what once or twice a year because everyone is still spread out. Yep. It's every every weekend, I mean, you know, the the, the aunts, the uncles, the, the 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 grandparents all came, and we just it was a, just a wonderful village. Grew up with a lot of love, a lot of affection, a lot of validation, a lot of affirmation. Um, in 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 right outside the city, Monrovia, went to uh, a, a, went to private school and went to a, to one of the the better schools in Liberia. So you know, my my mom really was big on education. And so that was something she she pushed, and um, and as you can tell, it, it sort of stayed with us um, even till now. So so you had a really good life in Liberia. I, I think I I remember when I first moved to the U.S. I I really missed the the life the pre-war Liberia a lot, you know. And it probably took me a couple of years to really start to embrace all the opportunities and um, and all the the blessings of being in America, but uh, you know it, things were certainly different. <laughs> Not at the starting with the weather. Um, one of the things I, I remember really sort of spooked me was seeing kids with braces. Mm. Just like what, what like, that was just so bizarre to me. I thought you guys had uh, some aliens here or something <laughs> like that. And uh, no, some braces really freaked me out. Oh, but it was but life was really fun in Liberia. I, I enjoy my life growing up and uh, really thankful for for the for the family and the community we had. And that that love and that support. Um, that I grew up with, I think, really became sort of fuel for a lot of the other the, the things that would come 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 on later in my life. Mm -hmm. I, there's real value in and you know in, in growing up with a lot of love and support and validation and affirmation. I think that gives you confidence, you know. Mm -hmm. And as a dad myself, that's something that I, you know, there are a lot of things I want to give my kids, but 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 just sort of that those 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 things I mentioned with love and affirmation and validation. And I mean, those those are definitely the core things I want to give to my kids, you know, because uh, you can teach them how to make money, how to do a lot of things. But I think those 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 foundational things are really ultimately, I think, what makes the, the big the big difference, in my opinion. And mm -hmm. that's really just my opinion, of course. Yeah, no, that, that speaks volumes as well. And I think it's so healthy for people to hear about one, the history, because it's not taught enough and just about the, the family and, and community structure that you had there. Um, and in some ways, you know, I know you've gone to this in your book, as you talk about all the experiences 
of the Civil War from, you know, not really realizing how serious things were to the realities that hit at other points. Even yeah. as you're talking just now, it makes me think about, you know, people like to talk about resilience and, you know, wh where that comes from and whether it's biological, but even as you were talking, just thinking about the structure and the support system that you have from an early age, like that, that is just like, I can just hear it in your voice and your comments about how important that was. And it makes me wonder how, what role that actually played in your, in your story overall as well. Yeah, you know, since I got more involved with with uh, sort of with, with understanding mental health and especially mm -hmm. with with trauma, because um, we, we lived through some pretty difficult things. And it was an interview I did uh, with another uh, on another um, show where the the person and this was somebody I knew and 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 she said, you know, we never saw any sort of weird things about you 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 guys, you know, being some being guys, you know, being kids who had grown up in the war. There was nothing weird, you know, where we thought, huh. Those guys are, you know, they've been shaped somehow by this great, by this traumatic experience or, mm -hmm. you know, because we, and I think that was because of the, we didn't go through this alone. We, you know, mm -hmm. we, my brother, Jerry and I, we, we had, so we had this, this community around us. And I think that uh, before there were therapists and, 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 you know, all these different tools and resources we have now around mental health, people were going through difficult things and surviving based on their faith and their community. Right. And, uh, and I think that I, as I look back, I realized, oh yeah, we had those things. Mm. That's why I can, you know, you know, I, I'll be happy to take any test, but I mean, I've taken a few tests to say I'm pretty okay, you know, mm. <laughs> not local, you know, not, not crazy <laughs> or anything, you know, kind of a normal person. And uh, but uh, no, 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 sort of, you know, sort of outsized behaviors one way or the other that I that at least that I've been told of or anything. But that community and that that I mentioned was a big part of it, and so. Apparently, that's a maybe you know this better than I do, but that it's sort of strong faith, strong faith community, strong um, sort of supportive community makes a huge difference uh, in in how people weather different storms in life. Yeah, no, that's definitely true, and it's it's encouraging to hear you share that from a real life experience too. I mean, yeah. you know, the evidence definitely points to that when people are looking at things um, socially in terms of things that have happened in certain communities that you know the both in terms of negative. Uh, impacts it can have on that community, but how the community bonding together can actually help navigate through that. And then going all the way back to the biology as well. I mean, even, you know, studies that, which I've shared before, that people have done in rodents, looking at uh, rats and mice, if they're in community and they're going through things together, how they'll show empathy towards one another is how some of the biology is in involved in that. People talk about oxytocin being one of those molecules that's important yeah. for that and how yeah. that helps them actually navigate through so I mean, you can see that all the way from the basic biology all the way up to the clinical literature and some of the community-based literature. So it definitely makes an impact. And even as we're talking about faith communities as well, just even that first pass, um, again, a little bit anecdotal, but so many different stories of just the importance of having people to talk with or experience those things with and listen to just right. as that first pass. Not even if people are maybe not even having quote unquote counseling, certified counseling or a right. certified social worker or therapy, but just that first step of listening and walking through that. Like, there's so many, so many um, examples and evidence how, how important that can be to yeah. help people navigate through. Absolutely. And I'm learning that more and more. And I think over the years of, you know, talking to, to guys, to folks like you and learning, working with a nonprofit, I think I'm getting what I would call the language to process mm -hmm. the things we, you know, we experienced and the things we had in our, mm -hmm. uh, in, in, you know, sort of living through a civil war. Mm-hmm. And how would you, I mean, how would you say that's in, and you're hinting at this already, but how is that informing your work with psychology for all, even now? I mean, your own experience and what you've seen, the strength of the community, how it's helped you through, how's that inform what you do? Yeah. Going forward. 
Yeah, I know. I think it's really given me a passion, you know, for it now as, I, as I've gotten a little older. Uh, when I when I first started doing this, I think it was more of a, it seems interesting. I have an interest in it. Doing this, being um, sort of in being involved with the nonprofit with Psychology for All, it was, mm-hmm. it, it was, it was an interest. It was um, something that that's, that sort of made sense, something that it was a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, as I sort of reflect on my story and and, and my journey. It's become more of a of a it's, it's become more of a passion and more of a and I, I use the word other ministry where I think it's a you know in, in the faith circle you talk about sort of brokenness and uh, mm-hmm. and I see this 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 opportunity you know um, to be part of, of of bringing healthy you know change to to some to some some things some things you know you know we might call you know some broken areas in our community mm-hmm. you know, in, in 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 our lives and uh, um, all the books I've read all the therapy and everything I've been through. Um, I always like to say this. It, I start. I was for, started with. I was patient zero, or whatever the yeah. term. You know, it wasn't about trying to fix anybody else or change mm-hmm. anybody's lives. It was more about okay, I want to make sure that I'm healthy, that I'm bringing my best, especially as a dad and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and 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 then now I realize, okay, because I see the benefits. You know, I'm going to be part of at least making folks aware of it. Obviously, everyone chooses what they want yeah. to do. So, yeah. yeah, but it's definitely my story's become an integral part of 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 the the, the, the my approach and, and sort of what shapes the lens through which i see the work we do with psychology for all that's great that's so important also i'm curious because i know that you know some may be listening and are feeling really encouraged from hearing your story and about the strength of the community and some of the resilience but others may also be thinking okay well i know people who also went through difficult situations and maybe had that community and it didn't seem things still seem to be difficult for them or someone who went through a traumatic experience and didn't have a good strong community or felt isolated and so how even knowing your own experience and what you've done so far what would you say to someone like that in terms of some of the um, access and mental health advocacy work that you do yeah i think i think they're, they're you know your community is, is is really i mean you get to kind of you can in a lot of ways you can create your community quite often you think well my it's my family and the people sort of within my neighborhood or my zip code, or if you're, you know, if you live in somewhere, you know, in, in certain places, your village or town or whatever, mm-hmm. but what, what community is, 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 is really more, you know, for me, I think the people who sort of have the, the shared values and who, 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 who are going to sort of walk alongside you, right. And, and mm-hmm. support you. And so if your community as, as sort of, as it, as it looks like right now is, um, isn't offering the support um, you need, uh, yeah, definitely. I would, you know, I would say expand your community. Um, one of the things that I, I had grown up, and you may be familiar with this, you know, just just a lot of mentors, and and I had, I used to say, I joke, and I said, I had multiple mamas, so different, you know, you mm-hmm. meet these, these, these some of your mom's friends or older women who just were like they sort of took you on as their as their son or something. They were supportive or, or mentors, you know. Um, who became part of that community uh, and 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 provided some of that support and that affirmation, that accountability, and all the things I needed. So my 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 sort of my comment to those folks would be, yeah, you know, sort of expand your community a little bit, go beyond sort of the confounds of what it, your your community looks like now, and, and and find those people, you know, who who can be sort of the supportive folks. And and they're out there. They are out there. There are plenty of obviously there are organizations out there that are. That are that are that are that have mentors and and, and are providing provide mentoring services and other things and then but what is a church a club a, 
um, you know, YMCA, uh, you know, different affinity groups, a hobby, you know, there, there's so many different places now to find supportive community, I, I, I think. And, um, but I don't know, <laughs> I don't that's know good. If, that, that's if, good. if that makes sense to you as a, in your yeah. professional capacity. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really, those are really wise words too, especially as you defined it early on, if, if that's not happening within the community, people have a right to be able to, and be willing to look elsewhere. And yeah. to be able to get that support of people who have that like uh, that like mindset, so I think that's really, really important that you shared that and really, really helpful advice. Also curious because I know you've mentioned faith and faith communities as well um, a few times. So how how is that? What's that aspect of your journey? What has that looked like, and how does that continue to play a role? Yeah, wow. Um, so I don't know if we could have uh, survived the the the, the 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 civil war in Liberia, and we lived through some pretty you know, pretty scary things mm -hmm. um, for a period of time there in terms of just uh, escaping firefights, being held at gunpoint, uh, uh, gunpoint, excuse me, a, a few times, um, dealing with some with starvation and, and food shortages. Um, I mean, there were a lot of scary things, but we mm -hmm. always, we, we, we always had our faith and our, and, and, and God and just in prayer. And, 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 you know, I've come to find that the, 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 the Bible is probably one of the best, if not the best book of mental health, actually, you know, mm -hmm. Uh, and this is, uh, I don't know if too many people agree with that, but as you sort of read the Bible and really get to know the stories and you, mm -hmm. and you think about the trauma that that uh, Daniel and Chadwick, Misha and Abednego or, or, or David or, or, or Joseph, I mean, uh, people went through some really, and of course, Jesus himself, of course, it's really difficult things. And, and you see how those difficult things, the arc of those things led to to victory, you know, mm -hmm. what apostasy or, 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 or while they were still alive. And uh, I thought, uh, and so those things became sort of part of, of, of our, of how we, we lived our lives. And um, yeah, it's, it's a big part of faith is, it's almost like, I can't see my life without my faith mm -hmm. in God. I really can't, I may not be, you know, as I always say this, my mom, uh, she probably doesn't like me say, I, say, I may not be the best Christian, right? I have to be honest <laughs> with myself, but I, but, I, but I do believe and, um, and and it's and 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 that my my whatever little faith I have I have I think continues to make just a huge difference in how I how I navigate the 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 ups and downs and the use mm -hmm. of life for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's really powerful. I mean, I I appreciate even the way that you just framed that. Even how you you know read through the narratives in the Bible and the mental health arc that's there that I don't think we always give as much acknowledgement or credit to as we should about how difficult a lot of those circumstances were. So that's really yeah, they seem like stories, but they're they're real. And I and mm -hmm. when you try to find yourself in those stories, you realize, oh yeah, okay, yeah, you know, that, yeah. You can sort of go through the same process and, and and come on the other side and be resilient and and be a victor, uh, and and so forth. Yeah, yeah, really powerful. And so many aspects of community within those stories as well. Even as you were talking about in your own experience, I mean, there's so many parallels there and things that we can definitely learn along the way. Um, and to push on that a little bit, I know you talked about your faith in God and just reading through those stories that, you know, the practice of prayer, how has the community of faith, has that also been part of the, the journey as well? Yeah, it's definitely, yeah. And and as I mentioned in, in, in Liberia, we had, you know, we, the, we, the, when we were living through the war, and well, prior to that, we we, we were part of a, a church, and mm. you know, we used to host a, a Bible study at, at our home, and so we had that community, and you know, and then and then even when when we lived through the war, we still had that faith community, so people mm. we could read the Bible with and um, and pray with, and and even just talk through sort of the experiences we were having, mm. and, and encourage one another, you know, and that that okay, you know what, 
God, God, God can see us through this. And uh, we're just going to continue to trust him. Obviously, you know, um, some people made it and some people didn't make it. And, and you know, that, and, and you know, why, how, why those, that happened that way, you know, I don't know. But we certainly, um, our faith community really was important. And it was kind of a perfect, uh, I don't call it therapy or whatever, but uh, to help us navigate uh, what was a very difficult time. And that's become really true even through, now and, and you know there are, I've had other challenges in my life for this health or family and and I've been able to that faith community has always been there to kind of give me um, the, the strength uh, to to sort of see my to see my wealth my way through whatever the obstacles were yeah again just so powerful and, and and sobering at the same time I know you know depending on when we're talking where we're talking about faith either here in the US or different parts of the world it can look very different in different situations. And knowing that in some situations, people are navigating through a whole host of challenges that yeah. sometimes some of us in the States can't even relate to um, yeah. people who have had to um, become refugees or, or, or take yep. asylum because of all these things. And to hear always to hear stories of people holding on to their faith in the midst of those challenging situations. And even as you mentioned, not everybody made it, but how that was such a bedrock and a foundation, I think yep. is so powerful and something that I hope we're paying more and more attention to in general, but then also just in terms of how it affects our lives, how it affects our mental health. And so again, it's just, it's just um, powerful, encouraging and sobering to hear you kind of walk through those, those pieces of your story as well. Yeah. That's cool. So I'm going to pivot a little bit because I know, and as you know, we, we, we pulled a lot of topics on this podcast and we're, we're getting yeah. to that already. We've already, you know, talked about some of the, uh, the culture and, and mental health and faith. Um, but in terms of race, that was another topic that I wanted to kind of talk through as well, Yeah, especially yeah. with everything that's happened in the last few years, but then also knowing that conversations about race are different, different and overlapping in different parts of the world. So yeah. I'd be, you know, just curious if you'd share with our listeners, listeners, your perspective on race and race relations, both from the context of Liberia and for those who are listening, uh, UJ's smiling right now. So I'm sure he has a lot to share, but both from the context of Liberia um and then the states and then you know there's some comparisons we might jump into later even you know from my own sure. experience but i'll, I'll yeah. leave it there for now yeah that's a pretty heavy heavy hit in terms of uh i'm thinking am i, am I sort of the dunkest thing or am i gonna barely get the real thing man? but uh you know it's it, it, so i will say that in liberia you know we had we had tribes mm -hmm. um right which um and uh, and I know I don't think a lot of people are familiar with the with with sort of the idea of tribes, but they're essentially just you know subgroups within the country. We had mm -hmm. different dialects. We call them dialects or you know languages. And you may have to add a better context and to 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 some of this stuff here. But I'm just going to kind of explain the way yeah. I, I know it. Um, and so my family was from one tribe, and and you know, but we were all obviously you know dark skinned black people, you know. Mm -hmm. And 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 but we but there was you noticed there were sort of stereotypes and differences based on on, on, on the, what tribes you came from right mm -hmm. uh, and so I had a tribal context and uh, but then coming to the U.S. now you've got a, a skin color racial context which is mm -hmm. which is which is different and I grew up when I came here I, I sort of grew up in a very predominantly white world and uh, mm -hmm. a friend of mine who's jokingly said that I was white socialized. Like, yeah, I guess. Okay, you know, but, but you know, so going to a prep school, um, prep college and, uh, and and schools that where, you know, there were not a lot of, not a lot of black and brown people mm -hmm. and, and, and really enjoyed those experiences. Absolutely mm -hmm. 
love those experiences and and the values they sort of inculcated me with and 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 and, and you know and so I, I have no regrets but it, it was not till college that I really started to understand myself as a, that I started to explore myself as a black man in America and what that mm-hmm. really meant. Um, mm-hmm. So, and uh, that was a, that was an interesting experience. So I started taking, I took some African-American lit classes and did readings of Ralph Ellison and Derek Bell and, you know, Dubois and all these different, and, and, and then, you know, some, some, uh, some Cornell West and, and Skip and Henry Louis Gates. I mean, like, that's when I read mm. that, that was, it was, I was what, 19 years old. Then mm. uh, um, when I started to kind of, Go through this self actualization of oh I'm a black man in America that's different from being a you know a black yeah. man in Africa I mean, like yeah. here <laughs> yeah. and, and learning that and then trying to sort of embrace that mm. and still be true to you know the fact that I I, I I grew up in in you know what people might I mean I call it American but people might call it a white world and I was very comfortable in that space and I still am and then there's this Liberian part of me. Uh, that I that I value and, I, and you know and I don't want to lose either and so and then there's the African American side of me so I, mm-hmm. I, I never I had to kind of realize well, I'm a multicultural person I never even <laughs> yeah that, right like my goodness okay, I'm a multicultural person so my my view on race is is it matters you know kind of going from Cornell's Cornell West book race matters I think it was one of the first books I read on race and it is important and um and I and I think there are some beautiful you know sort of distinctions that I think makes us as a community better. It's, uh, it is hard for me to sort of, uh, to, to kind of understand the, 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 the conflicts that we still see here, you know, racially in America. It's, uh, it's something that I, that I don't know how much of it I, you know, is, 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 it's more kind of the, you know, the lenses through which we see the world and how much of it is the reality of the world. You know what mm, I mean? Mm. It, it's sort of a, the, the, I, I, there's a quote I saw, not too long ago, uh, from, I think from the Talmud, and it said, "We see the world. We see things not not as they are, but as we are." Mm. Right? And this idea of, okay, what's what is it that I'm projecting to 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 sort of what's happening around me, and then what is it that's actually true in, in terms of my actual experience of of racism, uh, or, or or discrimination or, or any sort of inequity, you know? So. Um, I don't know if I answered your question, but I thought my, my, yeah. my perspective. It's a, it's it's something that I I'm, I'm growing into um, more and more. Yeah. to understanding and then and then hopefully um, navigate in a, in a healthy way yeah that's so important I mean that quote that you mentioned too and again I just it just ties everything together because I'm thinking about that both from you know culture and race in terms of what we perceive versus what is and how we don't at least you know maybe perhaps just in the circles where I am and we don't have that conversation necessarily about race as much but we mm-hmm. definitely have that conversation when it comes to mental health I mean, right. in a sense, that's at the crux of some of the things that we talk about when we're talking about things like depression. What yeah. do you perceive and how is that different from the reality of the situation right. Right. and what state you're in at that time? But there's such an overlap there. And I yeah. think, you know, if as much as we'd be able to have that conversation within the cultural context too, and then to be able to question what we perceive would actually allow us to move to a better place of understanding and healing. Yes, but yes, absolutely. Much easier said than done, obviously. <laughs> well, but you know, yes, that you're absolutely right. And thankfully, you know, I think um, we there's more there's more work being done. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think uh, there there are more conversations. I, I would say, you know, being being sort of being you know had, I guess. Um, and um, and and so my general sense is that that they're the chains are you know that in terms of like a football analogy we're moving the chains but mm-hmm. you know i think maybe some people will probably say no we're not you know mm-hmm. uh, you know and they'll have their reasons why i think mm-hmm. that 
I'll have my reasons why I think that too. Like why I think what I think. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. How, how does that tie in? Cause I'm also just thinking about your nonprofit too. And in terms mm-hmm. of access, how yeah. does that perception versus reality one tie in to whether people have access or not Two, I guess, whether they take advantage of that access and then yeah. three, once they get there, if the perception of them is actually accurate, because there's, you know, there's a whole host of evidence that people from black and brown communities are put into certain mental health categories or diagnoses much more often, much whether more that's often. correct yep. or not. Yep. So, yeah, 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 man, three part question. I, I, this is what <laughs> let's often. go. Let's go one at a time. We'll just yeah, do the access first. I got to slow down on the academic uh, mode. <laughs> I'm throwing up. everything in at once. <laughs> well, I think that that, uh, you know, in terms of of. of access you know i do i i believe there's there's there there are opportunities there for us to 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 drive more access um um uh, with mental health or especially because a lot of folks you know the folks we serve i mean the average income is ten thousand dollars you know and we so you know that there's there's you can't i mean therapy is really not cheap i mean in my experience and Mm -hmm. and so driving accessibility and you know to the for those folks it's important um i think the perception that maybe folks don't, you know, certain black and brown communities, I think, you know, don't necessarily want to be a part of this and, and, and take advantage of this, of this, of these services. I, I found it's not exactly true. Right. Mm. Um, you know, initially, I mean, I've heard there's, I mean, I've, you know, seen different presentations and read some things about stigma and cultural biases and so forth. Um, we're seeing, um, I, and we're seeing in our, in our data sort of, you know, year over year, increasing, increasing utilization of our service. Mm. As people are aware of them, mm. and um, and I think and I think that that was sort of a perception versus a reality, right? You yeah. may think, well, yeah, people just they don't they don't want it. They know people don't want to take advantage of the services. They don't feel like they need it. They've got you know whatever beliefs they they have and whatever communities they have. But but no, people people want to to be healthier. And I think maybe the pandemic was a catalyst. I don't know if there's a, I know there's a connection between, you know, the impact between uh, sort of the pandemic and, and, and mental health. I don't mm-hmm. know if the, I, I want to say, and maybe you might know this more empirically that there was a, there's a connection between the pandemic and, and, and people seeking mental health care. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. that, I probably something to look into maybe. It, okay. it seems that way just from talking to those who are getting, giving clinical services in terms of the number of requests that they're okay. getting just anecdotally yeah. i've definitely had those conversations with a lot of yeah people. yeah i mean so we yeah i mean like we saw that we saw that with our with, with some of our data um but but access is, is an issue equity in terms of i, I saw an image once where it, it, it had three people at three different heights basically standing on the same kind of stool or whatever mm-hmm. and it was like well that's that's you know that's sort of equality but then they had and, and they were trying to look over a fence at something and yeah. you know, Balkan. Have you seen this before? Yep. And then yep. those one where, yeah, but then you see the next image where it's more equity, where it's like, okay, we're going to sort of adjust these things so that everybody can actually see it. Because even though we're sitting, we're all in the same place, I got an advantage because my, I'm six feet tall and the other person is four. Yep. And that was really interesting because um, it was a great visual on, on how to think about this idea of equity, which, which I, you know, which we, we still have a lot of opportunity to, to drive in our community. Uh, and I'm talking about actually broadly across the country, but certainly where I, where I am here outside of Charlotte. Um, and, and so that's another opportunity. And, and, and I think the perception is that just because we, you know, there's a sort of what seems like an even playing field, everything that, that that's equitable. Well, it's not. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, that's something I'm learning too. So, you know, and the reality is not, and trying to be part of solving that. So, hopefully, I hit on all three parts of your question there. Yep. 
Well, I think, you know, you got the first two, the third one, which I threw in the curveball at the end was just, and that, that's too many at once. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. But just in terms of, um, so, I mean, in terms of how people are um, assessed or diagnosed. Oh, yes. To mental yes. And where, so yes. where that, I mean, that's a complicated issue Question. in and of itself. Yeah. I acknowledge that. But yeah. just curious, any you know, yeah. insights or you. perspectives you have there? Well, let me say this. Uh, at knee, I think everybody, knee is, is a professor, mental health guy. I am more of a, a guy who just finds this more of a, something I, I had, I'm interested in. I've read a few books and I just have a, more sort of a raw passion for it. So I'm not, uh, I'm not a clinician or anything like that. I just want to put that out there. Um, so anything Nee says, you probably want to listen to it. Not too much mine, but uh, think, we're going to put you know, them together. <laughs> yeah, put them together. There you go. Perfect. Good team player. Uh, you know, it, it, I have heard and I've seen um, that, uh, you know, we have sort of this disproportional rates of, 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 you know, especially our kids being, you know, groupings and in, 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 as having more or less, well, more problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, that is unfortunate because I think some of that, if it's done, if it's not done correctly, I think shapes the, the, the individual uh, long-term, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, and I think what I've learned is, that uh, those those categorizations do have you know long-term implications and and can imprint and almost affect the trajectory of your mm-hmm. life that's what yeah. i've seen in my sort of my 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 small you know sort of space that i operate in here and, I, and i've read a few things like that and, and i'm sure you, you probably can speak to this a little bit more yeah i think that's a hundred percent on and just you know from a scientific lens even though that's not something i've studied but have definitely read about just in terms of developmentally how important those, let's for lack of better words, say labels yeah. at an early age can actually impact expectations and trajectory. Again, think from a neuroscience perspective. So I think, yeah, I think you're exactly right. And it's so important that we actually, yeah. one, pay attention to it and actually, you know, do things to make sure that we don't put those things there initially. But then that gets into all the complications about the biases that are in the system or in our own minds yeah. as people yeah. and how we do that without even acknowledging in some cases realizing in some cases not realizing what impact that can have um, on the upcoming generation and i say that knowing that my age is increasing as <laughs> folks seem to be younger but it's yeah. just so important i mean more and more each day i think about the impact of you know my own choices or words whether it's with my own kids or kids yeah. in the community or schools yeah. that i'm talking to or college students and how much that that can not that it's just on me but each of us who have those roles can actually set trajectory so I think yeah yeah i mean yeah labels you know i mentioned race matters you know corner was this book earlier mm-hmm. uh and now i'm thinking uh maybe a, a label labels matter mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. labels matter and and they really can and i and I, I think fortunately you know going back to my story you know there the i had really healthy labels put on me you know mm-hmm. you know smart kind you know uh affable you know those kind of things and mm-hmm. uh loving and and, and, and loved and all those things. And I think, and, and it's that, that shaped, you know, again, where I, where I am and, and the trajectory of my life. And I, as, as, as we're talking now, I, I realized that I can think of people who had different labels, mm. um, you know, stubborn, difficult, pain in the, pain in the rear, you know, mm. mm-hmm. you know, and stuff like that. And, and, and you'd, you'd be surprised how people sort of internalize those things by yeah. subconsciously, right. And it shapes yeah. it. So yeah, yeah. It's a, that, that is a thing. And, and in, in our work, you know, we, we, we have some, some, in terms of with the nonprofit, just screening, 
um, trying to, you know, making sure that we're working with therapies to, therapists who are credible and licensed and, you know, some understand some of the, the, the nuances of the community we work with. We try to have good representation of people, um, whether it's bilingual or, or certain ethnicity and so forth. Yeah, to, I think to, to bring some sensitivity to those. To those yeah, things. yeah, I think that's so powerful in a lot of ways. And it's again, I know I said encouraging about ten times in this conversation, but just to to hear the way that you're paying attention to so many different aspects. I mean, both you know, hearing people's stories, bringing in the mental health experts, also paying attention to culture and background and access aspects of faith. So I mean, it's just it's just I think it's powerful and something that I hope will be replicated in other ways as well. I don't know if that's something if you've been talking to others in other communities or if there's some long-term plans to see this in other places in the country, but anything you'd be willing to share? Yeah, I, I would, I think, I think, you know, and I know that one of the things that's great about the mental health space is that the need is so great. Mm -hmm. So there, and also, and there are plenty of, and there's, there aren't enough, uh, I don't think we have enough resources. And then even where there are enough, there are ample resources, there's still an opportunity for us to sort of, to be more interconnected. I think mm -hmm. that, that from what I've seen here and in, in, in sort of in, in where we live, the the there's a there, the people are there, the organizations that are trying to tackle mental health especially in underserved communities still seem to be operating in silos you know mm. and so um there there's there's an opportunity to to drive better connection which i think which will will ultimately lead to more efficiency better care delivery and and, and ultimately you know a better um better service to the people we're trying to 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 help um i would love to see this uh, psychology for all or, or, or that the model that we use where we we don't we don't have um therapists who who are like employed for, by us right we have a bunch of independent independent therapists mm -hmm. who you know choose to to partner with us and accept mm -hmm. our, our rate and then and then deliver those services to to people who can't afford it who would otherwise mm -hmm be able to afford it. And we've got people who have rates of, you know, $500 to people who rates are like $120, but we pay our flat rate of $65. So, mm. uh, and so we're not, our, our clients get to work with the, I would say the best. It's not mm. some folks who don't know what they're, I mean, I would say who don't know what, who don't know what they're doing, but uh, they, uh, they're opportunities and it would mm. be great to see. We need more organizations, but mm. I, even more so, I think we need more connectivity between mm organizations in the mental health space uh, yeah. quite often i think there's the, there we got a lot of people doing a lot of things but as a as a someone who might be looking for therapy especially if i'm underprivileged mm -hmm. where do i start mm -hmm. i only you know i only know of maybe what's in the in my you know in, in my community or whoever comes to me but but i would love to see a resource where you can just go as a, and, and look up you know what you want by race ethnicity specialty yeah. all these things pull it up and it doesn't matter, you know, yeah. where people are and, and, and be able to try to find services to meet your needs based on, you know, whatever your specific, uh, you know, I guess, interests are. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, even as you're talking, you're giving me some, some ideas and thoughts. So I'm going to have to extend this conversation in some ways. And uh, I think there's actually folks I'm going to try and connect you with as well, because I think that would, that would go such a long way. Um, and it's so needed in so many different ways. Are you seeing that from your work that, I don't know if I'm allowed to ask you questions, but I guess I yeah, am. You're good. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, you because I, I see this and I talk to other people in, mm -hmm. here, but I mean, you you, you have a, obviously a, a pretty large um, sort of uh, network. I mean, are you seeing some of that sort of the silo that's uh, operating in, in sort of individual swim lanes versus sort of collaboration? 
with definitely first definitely okay. and i'm trying i'm trying to be succinct and not go on a whole yeah sure 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 yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> so i, I mean that. it happens across all of the spheres which i talked about in terms of the work so i mean i'll this is a little bit there but definitely within the academic circles mm. the silos definitely happen between institutions they definitely even happen within institutions as we're thinking about things like diversity mm -hmm. equity inclusion work things happening in silos things happening in parallel and so a lot of the work that we've been doing in that role is trying to just open up the conversation to have more collaborative conversations, but it's definitely happening within the mental health space as well. I mean, it's a challenge because there are so many things that are happening in individual communities that are good. But then, as you mentioned, someone might be in a certain situation and not know where to start. So yeah. I do see things, you know, as I've been in this work for the last few years in different pockets and different places of the country, and those things are effective, but it becomes a matter of how do you kind of galvanize those resources so that it's, it's broader. Yeah. Um, across the country and even broader for, I mean, we talk about, you know, things that are important for those of uh, underrepresented backgrounds or black and brown communities. So seeing some of the things like uh, there, uh, I'm forgetting the name, therapy for black girls and some of the organizations, but seeing there's a lot, there are a lot of large organizations, but also a lot of small organizations that could also benefit from having those communities. And so sometimes it becomes many of us individually, and this reinforces it kind of sending those resources out to people we know, but we still right. need a way to have that be more global. So again, you've got me yeah. thinking yeah. in a lot of ways. So, well, that's, yeah, that's definitely something that I have from a, as a business person, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, you mentioned I, I went to business school, mm -hmm. UNC and, and so I'm a, I'm a, you know, got an MBA and I, I am a business guy. And, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, I, I think just from a, that's a, that's a, that's an opportunity, uh, the, yeah. to figure out how to bring, um, so I had a skill, right. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, skill, the, 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 all the different services that are out there, mm -hmm. Um, in a way that that allows us to actually have greater impact, actually. Yeah, yeah, I think that's well said. Because, you know, at the same time, I'm still thankful for the work that you're doing that so many are doing in different places. But just like you put it, to have even greater impact and to be able to collaborate um, across groups, I think is really, really important. And, and I think, you know, even push that further, small groups and some of the large organizations. So, I mean, we've been fortunate in a sense because, you know, coming from a place like Yale sometimes gives us access to some of those larger groups that we can kind of push those conversations in those right. places to, right. to talk about you know, thinking about aspects of cultural competency or incorporating aspects of faith, even in the questionnaires as someone's looking for people from different faith backgrounds. So that's been encouraging to see, but yeah. still, still so much more that needs to be done. Yeah. Oh, it's, and it's, and it's what I call a good opportunity. I mean, mm. and I, and I think that, uh, it's 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 a fun problem to be part of, of, of trying mm -hmm. to solve and um because it because the impact is so significant i mean you know this better than i do i mean when you when you change one person's life in a family you can also make the network effect of that is it's it's, it's, it's it's hard to quantify yeah um, yeah so. yeah really well said well again thank you for all the work you're doing any last thoughts you want to leave the listeners with in terms of um like what gives you hope on a day-to-day -day basis or even uh things that you can encourage them to to pay attention to going forward yeah you know there's it seems like when you turn on the news now everything seems so i know i'll say discouraging mm. and uh and so what i what i try to do and i think and i would say let's you know be proactive about about finding the good news and finding the good things and it could be just it could be some of the simplest things like for me just hanging out with my kids it's like it's really fun i started playing uh, pickleball and which is oh, wow. <laughs> in america and just you know getting out and that that's really fun but but yeah you know be just be intentional about about finding things that sort of bring you joy and uh, and put a smile on your face every day because uh, uh, there, there's a lot you know that that sort of bind to take to give you the opposite feeling so 
That's yeah. Leave you at that. Really well said. Really well said. I'm Thanks. sure folks will take that to heart. Again, UJ, I just really appreciate you taking the time, especially I know you had moved some things around and just to create space. So definitely appreciate you being here. All the words of wisdom that you shared, your honesty about and your vulnerability about your journey and the resilience and community that's been there. I know listeners are going to really be encouraged by this um, and hopefully spurred to do some some good work as well from hearing yeah. what you've been doing. Thank you so much. You know, I'm a big fan of yours. I respect you. I admire your story and uh, just, just respect my friend. Uh, thank oh. you for what you're doing. 